disciples, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Aren't you glad the Lord is with us to the end of the age? Absolutely. So, uh, if we're going to engage in the Great Commission, by the way, people are dying at a rate much higher than they were uh, one year ago. Uh, Even through the COVID pandemic, the death rate has averaged the same. Okay? So, uh, the same amount of deaths every year was pretty much still online through 2019, 2020, into 2021. But the last two quarters of 2021, there has been a tremendous spike in the number of deaths reported. And so what I'm trying to tell you is is that we have a big job to do. Um, This is statistics put out by the life insurance industry that have said that the death rate has spiked 40%. And to make that alarming in your mind, they also put out a statement that um, any major catastrophe that would happen in the world, in, in the nation, for two, going back 200 years, would normally increase the death rate by 10%. The death rate has already skyrocketed 40%. So it's, it's a sound the alarm, blow the trumpet, blast the word. Um, and my opinion, it's basically due to the harm from all the vaccines and the jab and everything else, the results of so many people. Uh, all of the um, adverse things that are happening to people, uh, it's, it's alarming. And so I'm giving you statistics. I'm giving you stats. I'm not giving you hocus pocus. I'm not giving you uh, theory. I'm not giving you conspiracy theory. I'm just stating facts to you. If you're into facts, we're not living in an average day. You know, there's a part of me that doesn't want to alarm you at all. There's another part of me that wants to alarm you. I want the church. I want to shake some people. And when people die, they go to one of two places. For eternity. We are eternal creatures. Death is not the end. We don't believe in soul sleep. We don't believe, as the Jehovah Witnesses believe, that when you die, or that you know that you just, uh, if you die as an unbeliever, that you're just, uh, you just disintegrated, distinguished. I mean, um, extinguished. You're just gone. You just don't believe that. All men are going to live somewhere. They're going to dwell with glory with Christ. It's going to be perishing forever in the second place of the second death called the lake of fire. And I know that's not popular stuff today, but it's just the truth. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all 
should come to repentance. And so may God make us more in tune and alert to the needs of the souls of men and of young people who are perishing at a now at an alarming rate, a quicker rate than ever before. By the way, what's the percentage of people who are going to die? How many? 100%. Unless the Lord returns in rapturous glory. Yes, I'm praying for your loved ones. God's at work. And I'm praying for your loved ones. The church has got to be about the Father's business. As you know about the people that told you personally, they said, I'm scared to die. And they need the good news. They need the good news. Anyway, back to what I was saying, and that Rhoda and I will be leaving this afternoon, going to Gulf Shores and... Um, We'll be attending this retreat with several of the pastors from around the whole Southeast. And uh, their whole thrust is just to support one another. If you're going to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, we want to help you. Well, I kind of like that. Because <laughs> I need all the help I can get. We need to help. But we need to help each other. By the way, how many of you would like to tell others about Jesus Christ? Let me relieve you of something. We... We're probably going to have some training about this, but the idea is it's not a formula. Take your head this way. It's not a formula. Go tell what Jesus Christ has done for you. He changed my life. This is how I put my trust and faith in him. And just tell your story, however long or short you have time to do it. Just tell what Jesus has done for you and tell him, tell them what he can do for them. And, uh, you know, the way is, it's basically what? Repentance toward God. Now, that's a, that's a requisite. You've got to be willing to turn to God with all your heart, away from yourself, and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Acts 20. Repentance toward God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. There you go. You can be saved. They don't understand what being saved is. Tell them. Tell them. Anyway, Rhoda and I will be returning back Thursday night, uh, probably late, and uh, um, uh, to prepare for um, night to remember, or night to shine. Night to shine. You better shine on Friday night, aren't you? I know you're going to look gorgeous. Um, night to shine. Daniel will be leading services uh, here this week. Come and pray. I, I know it's night. I know it's cold. I know whatever. It, is it time to pray? It's time to pray. As we announced downstairs, our president has decided to lift all sanctions off of Iran. He has just put into jeopardy, in my opinion. Israel, the United States, and the rest of the world uh, with the with the mass.
sadness of them having a nuclear program. Uh, it's time to pray. <laughs> wait, wait, time. Um, so, continue to pray for the Mayerhofer family. Pray for us as we travel today. And uh, pray, continue to pray for one another. Uh, there's just so many people that want to be here today and uh, but are not here, not able to be here. But continue to pray for each other. God is moving. God is at work. Let us just be in step with him. Yeah. Who did? Oh, sorry to hear that. are great. One more thing before we get into the Word. Uh, how many of you know Margaret? used to be married to Talon. Uh, Margaret, uh, uh, I don't know what her married name is now. Uh, what is it? Owens? Is it? Anyway, uh, they live down toward where Myron is. They live down Cemetery Road going out 73 out of Montevallo. Uh, her mother, Patrick Smith, Margaret's brother, their mother and father's house burned completely to the ground. Uh, they lost everything. Uh, so pray for the Smith family, if you will. And if there's anything you can do, maybe giving hands to do something. This week has been an incredibly busy week, but I was out walking and praying, talking with the Lord, and He reminded me of a story that ministered to my heart, uh, that helped me again, bring me into refocus of how He wants to work and operate, and yes, pastors need to be refocused on how to operate and what to do, yeah, uh, just like you, and uh it's the story of a man named Malcolm Smith. Malcolm was a, was a traveling evangelist and he was a pastor for many years. He would tour in, uh, for his denomination different churches in different countries and go teach methods of evangelism. Teach churches how to grow and teach churches how to win people to Christ and all of this. So, Back in the late 1960s into the 1970s, I know that seems ancient to some of you who are very young, uh, he ended up going to Brooklyn, New York. I've been to Brooklyn, and uh, he 
ended up pastoring, and I forget the name of the church because it's been a long time since I've read this story. But uh, he ended up going to a church there, and he began to implement all the things he was teaching everywhere, all of these uh, methods, all of these formulas, all of these things that you do to help a church grow and make it happen and win souls to Christ in the big metropolis of New York City. And he had zero success. Of course, there was church there. It was just carrying on like whatever, like normal. But they weren't winning a lot of people. He wasn't making a big impact. And everything he had been teaching over the last several years that were supposed to work wherever you are didn't work in Brooklyn. So around 1970, he was in great despair. And um, he said, I, he told the people, I'm basically resigning. I've, I've got to go. I can't do this anymore. Uh, he was burnt out. He was, uh, you know, not leaving God, of course. He wasn't leaving the faith, nothing like that. But he said, I've, I've just got to quit pastoring. And I'm, I'm, I can't do your pastor anymore. I can't lead you and be successful where we're at. So he resigned. And, of course, the people did not want him to resign. They were just crying out, you know, don't, don't resign now completely. Please don't, you know, this, that, and the other. And uh, so they convinced him to take back his resignation and just to go um, take a vacation, go get away for a while. So they sent him to the Caribbean. I hope I'm telling the story right. Sent him to the Caribbean. That's a hint. sent him to the Caribbean, and he was away, you know, a couple weeks or more. Uh, but uh, he said, uh, I guess the Lord was dealing with him, and he didn't really, I don't if I recall correctly, I don't think he got any real specific uh, instruction from the Lord, because a similar story years later happened to Jim Cimbala at the Brooklyn Tabernacle in, in, in Brooklyn. But this is another story, another man, another church. And uh, so he says, okay, I'll come back. I'll give it another try. And he got halfway revived. And so he went back to Brooklyn. Except when he got back, he went to his office. He went to his desk. And all the papers and all of the things he had laid out there about church administration, winning souls to Christ, and whatever. He gathered them all up, and he threw them in the trash. He went to his file cabinet, and I guess you all know what those are. I don't know, we got file cabinets, we, we don't need file cabinets, you got computers. Everything's on file on the computer. But file cabinet, you know that tall thing, four drawers, you know. You heard of that? <laughs> he went to his file cabinet, opened the top drawer, Chris, and he pulled out every file and threw it in the garbage. He went down to row drawer two, did the same thing. He went to drawer three, did the same thing. He went to drawer four, and he did the same thing and completely emptied his file cabinet of everything. 
close the doors. Got his Bible. Walked out to the front of the desk. Sat in the floor. And said, okay, God. You got to do this or it ain't happening. You got to speak to me. You have to feed me. You got to lead me. You have to whatever. And he said, thank you, Lynn. And he sat on the floor. He went to his office, his study at the church every day for the next week. He did nothing but sit on the floor with his Bible and sought God. He did it the next week. He did it the third week. By the end of the third week, it's like, uh, shouldn't I be going to see somebody? Shouldn't I be going to do this? Shouldn't I be going to do that? And the Lord gently spoke to him, just remain where you are. Just stay before me. He was feeling bad as a pastor. He wasn't doing anything. None of the big famous nine sacerdotal duties. No hospital visitation. No soul winning. This went into the fifth week. It went into the sixth week. It went into the seventh week. It went into the eighth week. I think he did preach. Back to his study on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Somewhere along the seventh or eighth week, he got a call from somebody in his church and said, I know I'm going to host a get-together at my house. I'm inviting some of my neighbors over. And of course, in Brooklyn, it wasn't so much houses that maybe be out on Long Island or wherever, somewhere out, somewhere far distance in Brooklyn. But in town, it's all these apartment complexes, you know, all these condo vibes. I'm going to have some of my neighbors and friends over, just three or four, maybe five, and just whoever will come and... and uh, Pastor, why don't you just come and share something? God, is this you? Under his breath. Is this you, God? So, he said, told the lady, I'll come. So he hopped on the interstate wherever that location part of Brooklyn was, and he got to her condo apartment, went up to so many floors, found her apartment. And when he got there, there were, there were three or four neighbors there from her condo, her floor, her area. She had brought them in. And uh, he, uh, he prayed on the way over there. He, he shared. He prepared Nothing. Nothing. What do you want me to say, Holy Spirit? He told him about Jesus. Told him about his own story. Shut it down. They had snacks. 
he went home. You know what he did the next day? Went to his study, got on the floor with his Bible open, and sought God. The whole rest of that week went by, and he did the same thing. Into the next week, and by this time it's two months, but by the end of that, into that uh, first week of the third month, into that he got another call from this lady. Said, I want to do this again. And I want to have some more people over. Can you come back and do kind of what you did before? That'd be all right, Pastor. She said, he said, is this you, God? That's a good question to ask. Is this you, God? Are you in this? He felt so. So we got back on the got in his car, got back on the interstate, prayed all the way over there, prepared nothing. Didn't prepare a teaching, didn't prepare a sermon, didn't prepare whatever. So he, what did he do when he got over there? He told him about Jesus. Who Jesus was, what Jesus did, who he is now, what he accomplished. He's the living God. Told him his own story. And that night, four people got saved. Come on now. He went back. Remember, he was all in distress. His formulas weren't working. His seminars didn't do the thing. He didn't, all the stuff he had been teaching before was all worthless. Church wasn't growing. Nothing great was happening. Da 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 da. Can I tell you that by the end of the year, the church was slam full. There was, I think they were having to have multiple services. People were being baptized every service. God showed up, and God was moving on the scene. And I have to apologize to God and to you for being so long to getting to this point. Hello? Then he began to deal with all these hippies and all these people that were getting saved. And all that didn't they how to disciple them. By the way, what does the scripture say? Teach them to observe all things which I've commanded you. Now let me ask you, can you do that? Can you take someone and just teach them what God has taught you? Can you? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So, that's what the Lord reminded me of this week. And, of course, going on and reading and, and investigating other things from Malcolm Smith over the, over the years has been very rewarding. Now, when we go to these two verses, it's only two. There's hope. I'm not going to keep you here forever. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. If you don't have a Bible, I think they're going to be able to get it on the screen. Philippians chapter 2. This is just a reminder today. Most of you know these scriptures pretty well. What does? That's right. You only have two verses, didn't you? I only got two verses today, right there. I don't think you just have enough if you got your Bible open. So here's what it says. Okay, so then, so then, or maybe the opening word in some other versions would be therefore. Um, they get it. Therefore, so then is based on what was said before, and it was all about the example, of course, of the mind of Christ. And the example is how Christ humbled, Christ emptied himself, and Christ humbled himself before the Father. He emptied himself of his prerogatives as God to operate as God. I want you to get that. He emptied himself of his prerogatives as God to operate as God. And he voluntarily chose to submit himself to the Father and what the Father wanted done, what the Father wanted said, what the Father wanted worked. And without the exercise of his own will, he submitted his will to that of the Heavenly Father. He emptied himself. But then... He humbled himself, and what's the evidence that you have become humble? What's the evidence that you're humble? I'll let you talk. What's the evidence that you're humble? Well, that's pretty much it. Repeat that. Do things his way and to do what he wants you to do. Yeah. You. Doing's important, but you got to know what to do. Hearing is huge. So. For years, people would give this verse to me, or they would bring me a t-shirt with this verse on it. Be still, and that I am God. Be still, and know that I am God. Christ emptied himself. Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient. If you're not obedient, you're arrogant. If you're not obedient, you're in rebellion. If you're not obedient, you're self-willed and stubborn. The only way to prove you're humble is not by putting yourself down, it's by obeying. And of course, the Lord obeyed how long, how far? What, to what length did the Lord go to obey? even to the point of death. But not just any death, but death on a cross, which was the most cruel,
cruel form of capital punishment man has ever devised. So then, with that example, so then, my beloved, my beloved in Christ, you are loved, you are prayed for, we care for you. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, and I know we have an obedient church here. We love the Lord. God is in my presence only. Paul writes to the Philippians. But now, much more in my absence. What does he say here? Read the rest of this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse, we'll come back to this. Read this one. Ready, go. For it is... Now, this could be... The word here could be goodwill. Okay. It's good pleasure. What is it that pleases the Father? It pleases God. What? Faith pleases the Father? Yeah, absolutely. Operating by faith. Obedience to Him to bring about what? Good pleasure of God. God is out to see people. He wants, what's the old phrase? He wants humans to flourish. He wants repentance preached. He wants people to come to know Him. He wants to bless people. He wants people to have His favor. He wants good things done to people. He wants good works expressed to people. Hello? That's the pleasure. That, that's what brings pleasure to, to God and to Jesus Christ. Um, I, I want to give, give you some hope today. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure exactly which verse to do first or which to do last. It doesn't matter. The first, the last shall be first. The first shall be last. It'll all be fine. Here we go. How many of you have been born again? You know the Lord and you're excited about it. Oh, you got three. This is good. Let me. Are you excited about it? Um, can I encourage you today that there is a God in heaven and He's at work in your life. He's at work in your life. He is the God who encourages. He's the God who enables. He is the God who makes the way. He is the God. Uh, who wants you to be a co-laborer with him. He is the God who will lead you. He's the God who will inspire you. He was the God that will give you what you need when you need to do it. Hello. Uh, what a God. <laughs> See, even that. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to, to work or to do, or so both to desire and to do for his good pleasure. It's the God who's in you now who will give you even the desire, let alone the capability to do it. Hello? Say this out loud. God wants to use me. Now, I want you to repeat it like you really mean it. God wants to use me. Yeah. So back in the previous verse, so it says then in verse 12, he says, so now work out. 
You can't work out what, what's not being worked in. There's some things Rhoda, my, you know, Rhoda is very creative. Rhoda is very active. Rhoda is, she's an engager. She's, you know, people person. She's a, you know, she's something. That's a good something. <laughs> and uh, um, so she will come walk by me and she will say, well, why don't you, and she'll give me an idea. Or she'll give me a, a strategy. Or she'll give me this or that and the other. Now, many times, Rhoda, God uses Rhoda to give me counsel when I know it's right. I know it's, I know it's, I know it's of the Lord. And there's times, of course, there's times that, you know, you don't hit it, the nail on the head. But a lot of times she does, and I know it's God. And, and of course, anyway, there's times you got to know when to listen and when to, you know. There's times you got to know when to listen to the woman God gave you. That she's there for you, to help you. Let me pick out another couple. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, she's for you, and God uses her. And, of course, you're still the leader. You're still responsible. And there's times you've got to know when to listen and when not to listen to her. Amen, Wall. <laughs> I haven't done that in a long time. Okay? Uh So she would say to me some of these ideas, and I would look at her and i say, you know, I can't do that, Rhoda. And I would tell her, it's not in here. Okay? Does that make sense? It's not in here. I, I cannot, and I would tell her, I cannot work out what is not, God has not put in here. Now, if I had my way, all of you would be, you would be here 24 hours a day engaged in the Lord's work. You would just be serving, 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 doing, doing, doing. You would be so, you know, and everybody would be doing stuff that not even in your gifting, but we would just be, you know. And you're going, thank God you delivered us from that. I would tell her, I said, you know, I, I can only work out what God is working in me. not a put down the road at all. She's, I, I thank God for this kind of a woman God has given me. Um, I guess I should just get to the point and let you go. <laughs> oh, praise God. Work out. What are the next two words? Now, are we excited about salvation? Salvation is simply we have been saved, rescued. We've been brought out of a world of bondage and sin. We have been, as we sung about all morning, we have been set free, redeemed, which means delivered, deliverance. We've been brought to a place of liberty. How exciting is that? Woo! And now we get to walk with peace with God and harmony with one another. And it's just, it's just so exciting. It's totally awesome. So now work out. But the emphasis I want to make here is the not the word salvation, even though I'm very excited about that word. And if you don't know Christ today, today's the day to surrender and say yes to Jesus Christ. Turn to God with all your heart. Cast yourself completely upon him. That's where everybody says amen. I mean, enthusiastically. <laughs> the 
I want just to point out today, work out, say it again, salvation. Work out your salvation. I don't know what your ministry is. Well, I do know what some of you and some of our people are not here today. I know what some of your ministries are. The scripture says that in, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are a variety of gifts. It's all the same spirit, though. In that same verse, it says there are varieties of ministries, but it's all the same Lord. There are varieties of effects. Malcolm Smith went to do what he did without even planning anything. It didn't use any formula. Shared Christ, and God gave the results. God gave the effects. And it doesn't matter about what your ministry is, or your ministry or ministry, that it's God who's going to make the difference in it. And it start, it behooves us. Well, that's an old English word. You don't even know what that means. It challenges us to stay and sit before God and listen to Him and hear from Him. I know you have to work a job. I know you have children to tend to. I know you have issues of life that you've got to be dealt with. I, we understand all of that. But somewhere, sometime, somehow, someplace, you've got to get still before God. What would you have me to do? Danny and I met together on Monday. It was great. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to do that. And not, and not to embarrass him. My wife told me not to use names when I'm preaching. Sorry, Dan. Um, and I'm just saying, I, I, believe, I believe there's a call of some kind on Danny's life. And Jennifer, I, but I said, I can't, I can't, I'm not here to call you to preach or call you to teach the word. Or whatever. I'm not sure about what is it. I said, but I've I got a sense there's an anointing and a call upon you and God wants to use you. But I can't appoint, I can't, You've got to get still before God. You have to work out your salvation. Yes, there's a general thing we've all been rescued from. There's a general way God's instructed all of us to live. There's a general way, you know, that's an instruction for all of us to fulfill. But then God's got some specifics for you. I know I have a speaking gift. I know there's other people that do it as good or many of them do it better than I do in communicating. But I have that gift and I know that. I don't know what your gift is. Is it a serving gift? Is it a speaking gift? Is it a whatever? Daniel's doing a fabulous job. I'm so excited about the ministry God's using through Daniel. Come on. It's exciting. If I kill over dead, this church can go on and there's people that step in and do the work and he's one of them. Come on. I don't plan on dying anytime soon, but if I do, by the way, I'm ready to go. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. He said, he said, work out, say it again, salvation. And do it how? Yeah. That there is a God who's called you, there's a God who's spoken to you, there's a God who's leading you, there is a God who is enabling you. 
So don't ever put yourself down. I don't know know what your gifting is, and I don't know what your ministry is. But we need the giftings of the Holy Spirit in this church. Come on. Whether it's a word of knowledge, or or it's a word of wisdom, or whether it's the gift of faith, or whether it's distinguishing of spirits. And I can give illustrations there that would make the sermon even go longer. I mean, whatever the gifting is, and I'm not, whatever the gifting is, ministries. We need so much help around here. But I have to let God send the laborers. I have to let God call the people. I have to let God set the right people in place. Hello? Oh, we've, we've done the burnout thing for people. Oh, we've done that. Uh, you know, I could probably stop right now, and I think y'all got it. Y'all got it? Did you get it? What is it? What did you get? God is working in your mother. God is working in Beth for giving hands to go meet, hands on to go meet needs of other people. Fires, tornadoes, whatever it is, praise. Isn't that exciting? God is working through Rhoda to take care of special needs people. God is working, has worked through Jenny to make sure that Save a Life Shelby got founded and established and in and in other ministries and counseling she's had over the years. God is using other people here various ways, whether it's praise team or whatever. God's, God's using Kathy to continue to decorate the place. That's an answer to prayer. And I thought this morning, I was looking at everything, even changes this week, and I'm going, wow, I prayed for this. And when God answers prayer, he answers prayer. <laughs> Come on, shout to the Lord. And she's getting this place ready for the people that's coming. got to do that. got to do that. Anyway, so work out. But you can't work out what God's not working in. But I'm telling you, God is at work in you. So you've got to sit down. You've got to be still. We've got to be thinking. We've got to be praying. And then we've got to get up and then put into action what God has been working in. That's the message. I want to keep going a long time, but we're stopping right now. Let's stand up.
Thank you, Lord, for your speaking today. Thank you for your word going forth. Right now, Kyle is going to play. Some of you, some of you should run to this altar and cast yourself upon God. Get some things right with it. Others of you should just come and say, you know, Lord, from this first Sunday of February, I'm giving you a fresh consecration, a fresh, use me, but now let me hear your voice. Help me to wait and sit before you. Help me to look to you. But then when you speak to me, then help me to obey. Oh God, oh God, do your work today. Do your work today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the, the illustrations you've given us. To wait upon the Lord, to lean upon you, and then go into action. Go into action.